Good morning, everybody. Welcome to church this morning. Come on, wave at me this morning. Let me know you're alive. Let me know you're here. You're awake. Is anybody ready to praise God today? Amen. Well, come on, let's give him worship. Let's give him everything we have today. God, you're worthy. You have done great things, Lord. We praise you today. worship our King and come let us bow at His feet He has done great things yes He has oh, see what our Savior has done see how His love overcomes He has done great things He has done great things You free every captive and break every chain, oh God, you have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awaken alive, oh Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high, oh God, you have done great Let's lift our hands today. 
the things that God's doing in your life, can you just take a moment and say, God, we love you. Lord, we worship you. We honor you. Come on. Just give him praise and honor and glory. He is good. He is good. He is good. He is good. Amen. Amen. Welcome. We're so glad that you're here today. Man, what a great day to celebrate Jesus. You can go ahead and be seated. Good morning, good morning. You guys look amazing today. We're so glad to see you. So glad that you're here to worship with us. If you are here for your very first time today, we want to say welcome to Dothan First. And we yeah. would love to connect with you. Everybody give it up for the first Come time guests this morning. Welcome. Yes. If you, if you are here for your first time, we want you to do a favor for us, if you would, please. There's a connection card in the seat pocket in front of you. If you would fill that out and hang on to it till the end of the service and meet Mark and I and some of our leadership outside in the two high-top tables you'll see right in the center of the lobby, we will give you a gift for hanging out with us in yeah. exchange for this. Just want to connect with you and get to know you just for a little bit. Yeah, and if you're joining with us online or maybe you're here in the room and you're tech savvy, you can use that QR code or text D1 text to the number 84576 and we'll send that card electronically to you. And listen, we do want to encourage you to do this if you would. If you've never been through our grow track, I want to encourage you to sign up to get connected to this church, to the vision of this church. Also, we'd love for you to sign up to, to be able to help you understand your divine design. Why did God make you the way that he made you? Oftentimes, that is understood better through the scriptures and through our grow track. So uh, it's also a pathway toward membership and ministry here at the church. And we want everybody to feel connected and to get involved in some way. Also, if you've never been baptized, listen, I'm going to encourage you. Listen to me. If you've never been baptized, friend, if you are saved, if you've said yes to Jesus, but you've never been and baptized, you're missing out on the next step of obedience to God. So I want to challenge and encourage each and every one of you to sign up to be baptized if you've never been baptized before. And we would be so honored to be able to celebrate that. And of course, another celebration we have around here is child dedication. If you'd like to dedicate a child to the Lord, we'd be so honored to be a part of that as well. But friends, today we've got some very special things in store for you. But uh, our kids, many of our little ones, just went away to kids camp. And uh, I'm telling you, we had a great time of prayer right before they left. It's awesome. I know. And if you think about it this week, cover them in prayer. Um, it's going to be exciting and fun. They were all excited. It was They were already hot, though. Yeah. So ready to get on that van. We had a girl's <laughs> van and a guy's van. And our leaders are taking them to camp. Listen. We believe in camp, church, yeah. not only for our elementary students, but our students, our youth are going in July, and we've already been praying for you guys and covering you, and I'm telling you, this camp is where their lives are forever marked. That's right. Forever changed. Yeah. So let me tell you, if you have a student, a youth, um, junior high and high school that wants to go to camp, we have a few slots available, yeah. but they are going fast. But I want to encourage you to talk to Pastor Will or Lindsay or go on our website to register them for a life-changing week. That's right. I know our kids have loved camp. God has done something in their life 
They come Every back year. talking about it. Not only, I mean, it's fun too. You yeah. guys have fun, but the Holy Spirit shows up and just marks those kids for the rest of their life. Yeah, the, I can just tell you there have been healing miracles that have taken place. Of course, uh, rededication and salvation, but there have been kids that have been called to full time ministry. Uh, just through being all, uh, all of them away from their normal environment and being saturated in prayer and in the Holy Spirit. Let me just say this very quickly uh, on behalf of the youth. Um, we have, uh, I think it's now six to seven, close to 70 kids that are currently signed up for camp. Um, I can already tell you we, we have had to uh, get two charter buses to be able to accommodate them. The price doubled in one year for that, to get to, to be able to get those charter buses. And we've even talked about, well, what if we just rented out vans, the, you know, our vans plus additional vans, uh, it's over $1,000 per 15 passenger vehicle to be able to transport them. So I'm just telling you in advance of a need that we have. Some of you have already sponsored kids to go to camp. Some of you are waiting for us to talk about camp so you could sponsor them. And I'm here to tell you, we are going to need help with that for transportation. I believe it's going to be an amazing, amazing thing. So if you'd like to give toward that, just put the word camp in and we'll, uh, uh, in the memo line of a check, or, or uh, you can put that in the envelope and write the word camp. We'll know what that's for to help get kids to camp because this is going to be an amazing experience. It's going to be awesome. Well, guys, next Sunday is also going to be amazing because it's Father's Day. So all the ladies in the house, you have one week to come up with an amazing celebration and find a good gift for your father uh, or your husband for, on, on behalf of your kids on Father's Day. It's going to be a great day of celebration too. My, my dad is going to be sharing the Word of God. Cannot wait for that word that's, uh, it's, it's, that's right, he's a father in the house and a father of a house, of this house. So thank God for you and just so excited about that. Well, friends, today, listen, it's offering time. We get to give unto the Lord. How many grateful God's blessed you? Come on. I should jokingly say, in response to how much clapping and joy that you give is how much God will give back to you. And then ask the question over again and see if there's a different responsiveness. No, we always want to be prepared with enthusiasm to be able to give to God what belongs to Him, God's tithe, and then our offerings as the overflow of generosity of spirit to be able to accelerate the vision of what God has in place for us in the future. And let me just say a word about that. Um, my daughter came to me this week, and uh, as many of you know, my, our son, I say my son, anytime they do something that's like worthy of pride, if they're my child, right? And then they're Michelle's child any other time. But I'm just kidding. But no, our, our children, so, so Griffin graduated college, and he just left this morning for uh, his new job. And, but Cameron had just graduated high school and she asked me, I think an all important question. She had received uh, some, some gifts in of some money to get prepared for college. She got that for graduation presents. And she was, she was going through it and she said, so dad, um, do I tithe on this? And I said, well, well baby, is this increase? 
Is this your increase? Like this, this wasn't money that you were expecting, but it's money that you got. And you earned it for 12 years in uh, all through high school and, and uh, elementary school and junior high. You earned that to some degree, but it was given to you as a gift, but it's called increase. Everybody say increase. So when you get increase, what I, what I said to her is, do you want that increase to be blessed? She said, yeah. I said, then absolute, because we've taught our kids tithing every, you know, a dime out of every dollar, a dollar out of every 10, 10 out of every 100. We, we've always established that because we want God's blessing on our home. We want, God, listen, I, I don't know about you, but I want God to, I don't want to rob him. I don't want to steal from him. If, look, I don't, I don't want to steal from anybody, but I, I sure don't want to steal from God. And I, I surely want God to rebuke the devourer on my behalf. Listen, I, this, this, is, this is biblical principle that predates law. Okay, you'd say, well, this is just Old Testament. Well, let me just say, I'm going to talk about New Testament today. And when, they, when it came, to, I, I don't want to do Old Testament stuff. I'd rather do New Testament principle. Good. Well, what they did was they sold everything they had and they gave it away. So you can pick, you pick which one you want to do. <laughs> but friends, listen, the favor of God is brought upon our, our lives when we section out the portion that belongs to him. Why do we say that? Because the whole of it belongs to him, but this portion represents that all of it belongs to him. So when she asked me that question, I said, yes, absolutely. And, and, and before you ask me, I'm going to tell you in advance, you're going to about to receive paychecks when you go on a job and you tithe off the gross. That's what we do, not off the net because give to Caesar what Caesar's, give to God what is God's, and I want the totality of it to be blessed. Just because Uncle Sam took a portion doesn't mean that I didn't earn it, because that's, that's mine. And, and so I'm just giving you biblical principle. You can do whatever you want with your money. I'm just gonna tell you right now, you can do whatever you, I never talk about this stuff, but for some reason I feel super compelled. I don't know if I need to have you seated and I start preaching, I'm not sure. But I feel, I feel very compelled and it's not because I, we're hurting or the church is, you know what I think it is, honestly? I think I started to see a shift in the economy and, and the first thought I had, I had was, I better be more generous now than ever. Because some people think, well, when things get tight, we tighten up the belt and we're no longer generous. And that's the opposite with God. As a matter of fact, most of the biblical principles that were learned, it was that when things were going bad, they gave out of what they did not have because they knew that God would provide the rest. It's matter of fact, I'll say it like this. One time we, we had experienced the, the uh, tornadoes that came through uh, the, the whole of Alabama back in 2014 and I'll never forget walking up to a, a gentleman and he had lost most of his house I mean most of it was gone and I said I'm so sorry for your loss your house he said oh this thing back here this doesn't belong to me I said oh okay so I maybe you're a neighbor or something like that I didn't know he said no 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 this belongs to God if God wants to mess up his own house he'll he'll help me fix it come on somebody that's really what this is about. We are not owners. We are stewards of what God has given to us. And so I just challenge you. God is teaching us about generosity. That's the overflow. That's after the tithe. Generosity has nothing to do with the tithe, by the way. Tithe is what God says we owe to back to him. I want you to separate the two. You're not being generous because you give 10%. It's what you give after that's a picture of your generosity. And that's called faith 
that brings us favor. I'm, 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 doing, I'm preaching a lot better than you're letting on. But somebody needs to hear this today. I'm, te- I'm not teaching you so that you can give to the church. I'm teaching you because you're going to be giving through the church to reach the world. That's the point. This is not about trying to raise an offering. I don't have anything on the agenda. I don't have any agendas right now other than to help you learn the life lessons that I learned from the time I was a child that has literally carried me and blessed me. And I'm here to thank my parents that they taught me the significance of tithing because I can tell you time and time again, mom and dad, I promise you, as I saw the bank account start to to slowly deplete as young couple and we weren't making much, we were uh, just young and, and just green in it trying to figure things out and there were times where I thought I need this and we need this and we need this and we got to pay for this and we got to pay for this and we got to pay for this and all of a sudden I was becoming an adult thank you learning all of this and I had in my mind that first thought of you know what the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to pull back on the, the, the tie but because of the principles you guys taught me, we saw checks come in the mail that we never anticipated. We saw money that God, I mean, literally, it was like it came from heaven. And I want you to understand that God is the owner of all. You are the steward of what he gave. And some of you in this room, again, I I never talk like this. For some reason, I really feel like this is incredibly significant for you right now. So for those of you that are first-time guests in the house, no, I don't just talk about money in in the whole service. But uh, for some reason, I really sense it in my spirit that I, I desperately want you to be blessed. Let me say that again. I desperately want you to be blessed. That's the, that's how, that's why I feel compelled because I desperately want you to be blessed. And the only way I know to truly be blessed is to follow in the principles of God's word because God is the one that truly signs all of your paychecks. It's not your boss. Because if you lose that job, God will give you a better one. I I believe it. Because the Bible says his children aren't going to be begging bread. Let's pray together over our finances. Lord, I thank you so much for each and every person in this house. And Lord, their commitment to serve you faithfully in the giving of tithes and offerings. And God, your word says, prove me now in this. And see if I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour you out such a blessing, there won't be room enough to receive it. I proclaim financial increase on you and your households. I call for better jobs to those who need or desire them. I declare favor and breakthrough in court cases, settlements, inheritances, and estates that are justly yours. I call forth, Lord, those monies, Lord, that they've placed uh, before you that, that belongs to you in the tithe that Lord you would give back exceedingly abundantly above all that they could ever ask think or imagine let them be blessed I pray the blessing of God would chase them down as they faithfully give to be able to see the handiwork of God and Lord I pray we wouldn't give to get but that when we when we do give we would get that we could give more Lord, help us to be generous in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you give. And uh, again, you can worship on the way out if you have giving envelopes. There's the boxes on the way out. Friends, today, I'm so excited to be able to talk about not just what happened last week on the day of Pentecost, but what happened after the day of Pentecost. Go ahead, turn your attention to the screens as we talk about Holy Spirit's Pentecost. This is Pentecost. 
Everything is different. Everything is new. Everything. This is the birth of the church. The wind swirls, a hurricane blows, the stale air is forced out, the dust disappears in an instant. The air is fresh, the light is all around, the Holy Spirit enters our lives and we become a new creation. It turns us around, turns our lives upside down, blows away the stale and the old. Christ enters our lives and we are made new we are made whole this is the birth of the church we are gathered here in this place in this time to be something new to refresh the old to reboot the past to be the church god created us to be to be the new creation this is the pentecost god is here christ is here the spirit is here and we are part of it we are the new creation How many thank God you're a new creation in Christ? The old is gone, the new has come. And uh, today, I want to just take a moment and give it up for all those that are joining with us online for the very first time. Can you give it up for them as well? Come on. Welcome. We're glad that you're here. Go ahead and grab your copy of God's Word and say this with me. Say, I am what God's Word says I am. I can do what God's Word said I can do. And I can become all that God said I could be. So today, I'll hear God's word, I'll receive God's word, and I'll obey God's word because I love his word. Now turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, I don't know why the pastor makes us talk to each other during these messages each time. I don't know why he does that, (laughs) but do tell them they look good. You got to at least let them know. I think a good compliment during the middle of a service is always sweet. Uh, But why do I always have you guys talk to each other? Because the Bible in the book of Acts in the New Testament, the establishment of a New Testament church was birthed out of relationship. Relationship to the Holy Spirit and relationship to one another. And so we've been going through the book of Acts uh, last week and now this week. Again, I'm talking about what happened on the day of Pentecost. I talked about that last week. And if you missed that, you can follow up and watch it online to follow up and catch up with where we're at to, to, to today. But, but I will say that today, as we talk about what happened after the day of Pentecost, it was probably just as profound and to us more applicable because we can't, we can't make the Holy Spirit come down and, and visit us in a profound way. We can create an atmosphere for him, but we can't make him do anything. However, we can, as a, the body of believers, as the body of Christ, we can make, make ourselves respond the way the New Testament church responded. So here it is, and uh, as a matter of fact, would you do me a favor? Would you stand in honor of God's word for just another moment? Stand in honor of God's word, and I'm going to have my dad read this portion of scripture in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. The book of Acts actually taught the church how to act. <laughs> Truly, that's what happened. 
And so as you're turning there, I will just give a quick short plug that uh, on Wednesday nights, my dad has been doing an amazing series called God of the Valleys. If you've missed any one of them, you can go back online. They're all available on YouTube and on Facebook as, as we normally have through our social media platforms. But I'll also encourage you to come out on Wednesday nights in June because it has been absolutely transformational. It's been historical and transformational because I've learned a lot about the history of the Word of God, the depth of the Word, as well as the application of Scripture. And then secondly, as I mentioned already, Father's Day this Sunday is going to be profound. So dad, would you lead us in this particular passage in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47? They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common, and they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. All right, all right. Can, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. And as we look at this, how many know people in this world, especially here in the Wiregrass area, they are looking for love. They're looking for love. Sometimes in all the wrong places. You knew I had to say it. It was too hard to, <laughs> to pass that up. But how many know truly the best place to find true kind of the true kind of love, right? The purest form of love should be in church. It should be in church. And I know a lot of churches use uh, catchy phrases on their church signs to be able to invite people to come in. Uh, ours, you know, often says welcome home, or uh, it'll say a place where you belong, or it'll, it'll have something specific about uh, who they are as a person. We'll try to encourage people, whatever. But I, I have seen a few signs out there. Many of you have as well. Uh, some of them a little more creative than others. You can, let's look at these uh, together, a couple of them that we found. Uh, this one, you know, this one we've all seen, right? What is missing from CH dash dash CH? You are, right? We've seen that one before. But let's go to the next one. Uh, this is a nice one. Have tr having trouble sleeping? We have sermons. Come here, one. I like that. That's, that's good. The, the deacon board probably set that one up. It's the same one with this one. Now is a good time to visit our pastors on vacation. Uh, again, I think that maybe the elders did that. I, I like this one. This is a little in your face. I don't know why some people change churches. What difference does it make which one you stay home from? I don't know. This one's a good one, informative as well. Honk if you love Jesus. Text while driving if you want to meet him. I mean, that's, you know. <laughs> or tweet others as you would like to be tweeted. That, listen now, that's very punny right there. I think that is. <laughs> this is a good one for those that have lived in the north. How many of you ever lived in the north? Oh, here it is. Whoever is praying for snow, please stop. 
Now, this is one for the south in July. Go ahead to the next one. If you think it's hot here, <laughs> imagine hell, all right? I, I felt that way a few times in August here in the deep south. This is a great one. Whoever stole our AC units, keep one. It's hot where you're going. <laughs> and don't let worries kill you. Let the church help. That's a good one. And my, my favorite one of all time, this next one is where Napoleon Dynamite goes, flipping Church of God. I mean, that's where he goes. That was way funnier than you all laughed. I'm just saying that. I thought that was hilarious. Anyway. <laughs> How many you know it's not about the building that you happen to worship in? or even the signs uh, that are out front. It's about how people are treated once they come in to the church. And that's truly what the apostles were trying to teach this New Testament church. Think about it. 120 believers turned into 3,120 believers in one day. That means 3,000 people that gave their life to Christ and made him Lord and became an, the first New Testament church, those 3,000 had no clue what it was to truly serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Only those 120 were the ones that actually knew how to do it effectively, and they were still learning it. And they were practicing on each other, just like we are here at Dothan First. You are practicing loving people right here. That's what you're doing. That's why we're in this church. It's not because we're a perfect church. It's because we are practicing love. That means we have to give a little bit of room to the person next to us that they are still growing in the faith. Regardless of age or how long they've been a part of the church, they're still learning how to be a Christian. Holy Spirit will not reside in places where there's disunity and backbiting and willful disobedience and a misrepresentation of who he is. But if Holy Spirit is going to grace us with his presence, we have to create an atmosphere that will encourage and allow the Holy Spirit to let him know he's welcome. It's not just on the sign out front that says welcome home to those who don't have a home church. It's welcome Holy Spirit. We want you here. How many hate when people ignore you or, or are insensitive to you? Uh, let me go backward in time for you, those of you that remember what it was like to date somebody, right? When you were dating, what you were doing was you were learning their likes and their dislikes, right? It, when I first started dating Michelle, I'll never forget, uh, I was learning the restaurants that she liked and the restaurants she didn't like because I would say things like this, hey, where would you like to go to eat this evening? And she would say, oh, it doesn't matter. Anywhere is fine. And I would take that as a young man dating that that was a sign that I could go anywhere I wanted. So I'd go to Taco Bell. And she, I'd pull in, and she'd still smile because we're still dating, not married. Now, uh, it's, you know, it's clear she <laughs> knows how to speak up. But uh, back then, she would smile, and she'd go, you know, she'd say it real nice. You know, I'm really not in the mood for tacos right now. I just, I, you know, I think... I think maybe something else. And what I did not know then, but I know now, is she was teaching me how to fish. I thought I was a fisherman. I was not a fisherman. My wife taught me how to fish. 
She was teaching me to fish for what was in her brain that I was supposed to know that I could never know. And what she was waiting for me to do was finally land on the restaurant she liked. Is that not true? Come on, ladies in the room, don't you lie right here. Learning likes and dislikes. Really, what, what I was learning was sensitivity. For as my sensitivity grew, my marriage began to grow. As my insensitivity grows, my marriage begins to die. So, uh, what is your relationship to welcoming the Holy Spirit? When you come into church, what's your mindset when you walk into, into church or driving to church? What's your mindset? Is your mindset, well, I hope the pastor preaches short, or I hope they play the songs that I like, or I hope it's cool inside the building, and uh, I hope it's not raining, or I hope it's this, or I hope it's that. Shut up in the back. And I'm just, you know, whatever, if you got kids back there, or if you don't have anybody back there, we need to have counseling sessions for you. What is your mindset? Do I look nice? Do I, do I like what I have on? Is it matches everything? How's my makeup for the ladies, please? And then, uh, all, you know, all of this. What, what's going through your, or are you, are you thinking, oh, I can't wait to show up to be in the presence of God. I, I want the Holy Spirit to feel so welcome. Matter of fact, no matter what song's being sung, I just want to lift my hands in worship to him, surrendering to him. I, I want, because the Bible says that he, he, he's ushered in on the praises of his people, and so I want to make sure that I'm sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Do you know that most hotels and most restaurants, they gain their influence, especially now in a social media era, by Yelp reviews or by Google reviews. They're, they're, they're known by their reviews. And most and generally, I've read some of the reviews as I've gone through, I'm sure you have as well. And when you read those reviews, here's what it often says. It sometimes talks about the food, the food was delicious, or maybe the cost analysis, they'll say, well, the food was really good, but it was kind of expensive. It was a little pricey. Or, you know, is it good food, cheap, whatever. You know, somebody says that. But most and generally, you read those reviews, nine times out of ten, it says, man, I was treated like dirt. My waitress was so mean, so rude. She showed up and didn't, show, didn't you know, took our order and it took an hour for them to get the food out or whatever. It's uh, same with hotels. Look, if you, if you mark it off for hotels, the nicest and the cheapest, most in generally, those rooms are identical. They're exactly the same. Different paint on the walls, different paintings on the wall, different size televisions maybe, a few accommodations. By, by and large, it's a bathroom and a bed. It's the same square footage. So why can one hotel charge $30 and another 150 or up to 300 or, or more? How do they do that? How do they get away with this scam on the general populace of beds that have been slept in by hundreds of people? <laughs> oh, when you think about it, you never want to go on vacation ever again. How do they get away with it? The best of the best spent thousands, sometimes millions of dollars teaching their employees how to value their customers to make sure that those customers feel welcome when they walk in. If they're willing to do that for a hotel or for a restaurant, how much more so should we, the keepers of the living God, the keepers of the Holy Spirit, 
Should we not walk in a sensitivity to the Spirit? How welcome do you make the Holy Spirit feel in your life? That's a really important question. Do you ignore him? Are you insensitive to him? Friends, he wants relationship with you. He doesn't want to just give you goosebumps. He wants to have relationship. He's a comforter and a counselor. He wants to come around alongside of you when you walk through tragedy. He wants to guide you in business decisions or difficulty with your family or with your marriage or with your parenting. He wants to help you in every aspect of your life. How sensitive are you? Because learning sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, you need to understand, the Bible says the Holy Spirit can be grieved. He can be grieved. Made sad is not the totality of that definition. Grieved is far more significant. Grieving him on how you speak to others or, or, or how you function in day to day. Would the Holy Spirit want to go where you're going? Would he want to say the things you're saying? Do you grieve him? Well, here's what the New Testament church, the early New Testament church devoted themselves to. The apostles' teaching which was they, they were continually being taught how to be better believers or to be Christ followers or Christians like Christ. Fellowship, right? They were connected together relationally. Breaking of bread, and that wasn't just communion. It was, it was also they were going out to eat together, which I think is also important, but they were also breaking bread in the, the passage that defines communion and remembering Christ's death. And then they prayed together. They didn't just pray apart, which is important. Talking to God by yourself, having a devotional life, having a quiet time is really super important as a believer, right? How can you have the download from God uh, on your day unless you have time to talk to your creator? You can't have a relationship with somebody you never talked to. So you got to talk to God in prayer. But the Bible says they prayed together. They got together and they talked about the things that were concerning to them. And then they would, they would pray about it together. Bible says one can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand to flight. The Bible talks about the power of the unity of prayer. Very, very important. And then how did the early New Testament believers function? And all I'm doing is I'm taking this directly out of the passage we just that my dad just read to us in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Here it is listed out. How did they function? Everybody had a sense of awe. Let's stop and, and, and just say this. We can never lose our sense of awe when it relates to God and who he is. When somebody says, oh, that's awesome. You know, you watch some video on YouTube, people are awesome, and somebody does a triple flip, and you go, oh, that's awesome, right? That's super cool. That, that's not the picture of this sense of awe. It was such a reverence that they did, they did not want to do anything that would displease God. It had nothing to do with a social club or tradition where we just show up to a place because that's what people do on Sundays at 10 a.m. They walked in with a sense of awe. God's here. Now, yes, God is everywhere, and yes, God is inside of us, and no, this building is not the church. We collectively are the church of the living God, but the Bible talks specifically and very strategically about our corporate worship, that God shows up in a magnificent way when we all come ready and hungry to receive. A sense of awe. 
They said they, they had commonality. What's mine is yours and what's yours is mine. They had commonality. They said, I, you know what, I'm, I don't own anything truly. It, it, whatever I have, it, it's yours. They had a sense of generosity, a spirit of generosity. And I just talked about that at the beginning of this service. They had unity and togetherness. Let's stop right there. When they talked about being of one mind, that's other translations say it like that, it doesn't mean that they were cookie-cutter Christians. Look, we're going to dress differently, we're going to talk differently, we're going to think differently, we're going to respond differently, and that's good, right? You say, well, I can't be Billy Graham. Well, good, because Billy's already been born and, and died. We, we had a Billy. <laughs> we need you. God created you. But in your uniqueness, desperate for God's presence, humble, creating atmosphere for Holy Spirit to have his way in your life, there, there should be a sensitivity, a tenderness to the things of God. You know, I, I'm not a big crier, honestly. I'm not a big crier. I, I, I mean, broke my ankle, didn't cry, you know? Just limped upstairs and showered in, on one foot because I knew that that foot was going to be gross after they put a cast on it. Just saying, that's, that's how I did it. But, but I, I will tell you, when I get in the presence of God, man, there is a, there's, it's something strange. And I've, a, lot of, a lot of grown men Strong men, I find often that it's like that's a breaking point when Holy Spirit shows up. It's like, there's something. It's just like, it's a breaking. Emotionally speaking, God's doing something. There's nothing wrong with that. You ought to have that spirit of sensitivity. But to have unity. Listen, there's one thing the Bible talks about in the book of Psalms that says that where there's unity, God commands a blessing. I, I desperately want the blessing hand of God on this house. And the way we can collectively receive that is to not backbite or talk behind others' backs, but to make sure that we're creating unity. Because God says out of all the things that he hates, there's like seven specific things, and they're really bad. And the one at the very top is creating a spirit of disunity because I don't like what's going on. Well, get over it or help fix it, but never create disunity in the body of Christ. All right, togetherness and unity. The fifth thing was gladness and sincerity. I wish I had time to really delve in deeply to each one of these things, but they were sincere of heart. They, they functioned with joy. And then they had a common praise to God. They would come together and praise Him in worship to Him. And then they had favor with the people. You want to know why they had favor with, and it doesn't say specifically uh, just Christians, that they had favor with other Christians, although I know they did. They had favor with all people. You want to know how that happens? Because Holy Spirit came into their lives and they had not just the gift of the Holy Spirit, but the Bible says that they were operating in the fruit of the Spirit. And fruit creates favor. Fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You don't get that except that the Holy Spirit comes upon your life and he gives you those things. He birthed those things, it births those things in your life. But fruit provides favor, it gives you favor. So it was all centered around something called koinonia, which was fellowship. It was, they had community. 
Friends, this church, yes, it's an organization. Matter of fact, each one of those rows that you're sitting in, each one of the pastors over the past few weeks organized each one of those little cards that are right there in the seat pocket in front of you. We took time, uh, probably 45 minutes, to make sure that in each of your rows they were all set just properly, just so, because we have an organization about the church, right? The things out front, the color schemes match. Why? Because there's organization. The worship team, they all were functioning with organization. Why? Because the drummer doesn't need to do their own thing, and the guitarists do their own thing, and the keyboardists do their own thing. It would be a cacophony of sound, but it was a harmony of amazing worship. Why? Because they functioned together in unity. There was a commonality, a community. So the church is not just an organization, though. It's an, it was meant to be an organism. It was birthed out of God's spirit. That's why the building doesn't define us, and the proof of that was the pandemic. We still remained a church even without a building. How many thank God for that? All right, so in order to build healthy relationships, I'm gonna try to move through this quickly, but Holy Spirit gives us three areas that we as a church need to grow in. And here they are. By the way, this will help you not just in church. This will help you in your business. This will help you in your relationship with your spouse and with your kids and with your coworkers and with your extended family. Here it is, these three things we need to grow in as a church. We need to grow in sensitivity. And I talked about this already. To the Holy Spirit and to others, God gave us feelings and empathy and compassion for a reason. The Bible says that God feels with the feeling of our infirmity. He, he feels with us. He feels alongside us. So too, if there's someone that's hurting, we ought to hurt with those who hurt. Look, man, I've seen it in other places, not here, thank God. But when somebody in the church gets a raise or gets a promotion or buys a new car or gets a new house, I've seen people rec like recoil back and just jealousy like, why? well, I, sh I deserve a raised too. I deserve a new house too. I deserve a new car too. And, and instead of rejoicing with those who are rejoicing, they're, they're sulking while others are rejoicing. And I've seen it also with the, the idea of when one is hurt, right? When somebody's in the hospital or somebody's grieving the loss of a loved one. And I've seen it in other churches, thank God not here, where people are just, I don't know, disingenuous. They, they have no empathy for someone who's going through something. It's just like, oh, somebody died, oh, that's too bad for them. And they just keep on their day. And it's like, no, man, come alongside them. They're struggling. They're going through something. Walk beside them. And I thank God this church does just that. The key to building relationship is sensitivity. Here it is in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. It says, live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. How many know you can't have, if you don't have the first part, you'll never get the second part. You'll never have the second part. You can't have harmony without sympathy. You can't have unity without sensitivity. So the New Testament church was established by literally selling possessions and giving to those in need. We need sensitivity for a couple reasons. One, because people need these two things. Everyone needs to feel heard and understood. That's a human need. That's the, the deepest, most foundational human uh, emotion is that they need to feel like people care hey, I understand you, I know what you're going through, or I've been there and I'm with you in the down times, in the valleys, 
in the struggle points. I'm with you. I'm beside you. You say, well, how do, I be more, how do I become more sensitive? Here's how. It's pretty easy. Just slow down. Slow down. This fast-paced life we live, it's too quick. It's too busy. It's too filled with other things. James 1.19 says it like this. Be quick to listen and slow. Everybody say slow. <laughs> slow to speak. We miss the details, uh, and in the missing of the details, we often overlook the people we say we care about the most. How many of you have been to a restaurant? I'm guilty of it myself. You've been at a restaurant, and you see around the table, very few are talking, but the entire family is texting. We have lost the art of communication. When we start talking to somebody, how frustrating is it when people are, you know, they're, they're talking to you, you're, they're right in front of you, but they're kind of, their eyes are darting all over. You know, all that. And I'm guilty of it too, especially when somebody comes by me and says, hey, pastor, while somebody's talking to me, and I'm like, I don't want to snub them, so I'm like, hold on one second. Hey, hey, how's it going? Okay, yeah, back, I'm, I'm with you, I got gotcha. you. But being guilty of just, I mean, what if I preached like this? <laughs> Would you feel important if I preached like this? <laughs> Friends, how we treat one another is so important. Our sensitivity, just slowing down, not being too busy. Well, pastor, I, as a husband, I can watch a ball game and listen to my wife at the same time. No, you can't. <laughs> a mom says well I, I can update my status on Facebook and listen to my kids at the same time those kids are waiting for you to be just so distracted so that they can ask you a question that they know you would say no to otherwise but you might say yes if you're distracted come on all the moms in the house it's true sensitivity slowing down it's not always convenient but it's right don't be have you ever talked to somebody <laughs> And they're so self-absorbed that they keep cutting you off mid-sentence so that they can pontificate the, you know, the, the air that is, that is around you. They can suck all that in and blow out the hot air into your face. <laughs> no, they just have to talk more than they listen. And it's frustrating, right? Friends, insensitivity will never advance a relationship. It'll only hinder it. But the Bible says the Holy Spirit, the relationship we have with him is the same way. Why am I telling you all this? Why am I spending so much time on this? Because there are people in this church that are hurting. Believe it or not, there are hurt people in church. No such thing as a perfect church because there's no such thing as a perfect person. And every person that shows up here comes in here with wounds, maybe that go deep, Maybe go back to childhood, maybe go back five years, 10 years, 15 years, and they all walk in here. And friends, this church is growing, and there's new people and new families and new people that have come in that have zero church background, and those of you that are the maturest believers of all, the longest standing members of the church must be the ones that are carrying that Holy Spirit sensitivity where when people walk in, you're not worried about if you're going to get your coffee. 
Go to Dunkin' if you want your own coffee. I'm just saying, if, you, if that's why you're coming to church, show up at a coffee shop and don't show up. But if you're coming here to serve the Lord, yes, get your coffee. That's great. My wife's an addicted coffee drinker. Let's pray for her right now since she's in the children's ministry right now. <laughs> Man, I know I'm going to hear that. I mean, that's going to hit me sometime later, I know. What did you say about me? <laughs> But the maturest of you saints must carry that Holy Spirit sensitivity to be sensitive to those that are around you, the newcomers, those that are brand new to the faith. Because church is not about us. It's always others-focused and it's always Christ-centered. Are you following this? I did not, I'm nervous. I shouldn't go on because I'm nervous. I did not get the kind of response I was expecting, especially from you saints of God who have been here so long and know that when a pastor asks for a request of a response, you gotta give one. Otherwise, you're gonna get stuck in church a long, long time. Don't you know how fast this service would go? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I love having fun in church. <clears throat> There are hurt people, there are offended people, there are wounded people that are sitting right next to you and it's our responsibility to give them the same gift that Holy Spirit gives to us. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit brings comfort to us so that we can comfort those who are in distress. That's what the Bible says. That's why he gives it to us. He gives us a gift so we can give it away. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come as, as we prepare to close I won't get to the, the end of this message uh, with everything I've got, but I'll just give you pieces of it. The next is we've got to be not just spirit sensitive, we've got to grow in accommodation to make room for others. If you go on a vacation, the first thing that often you think of, hopefully, before you leave and maybe months before you leave is, I need to have accommodations. I need to make room for myself, right, and my family. I better call ahead, go on Expedia, wherever I'm gonna do it, I need to book a room, I need to have, going in advance of myself, I need to make room for myself, and so it is with the Holy Spirit, you're making room for him in your life, in your day-to-day -day activities, in your mindset, even in coming to church, that on the way here, you're, you're making room for him. Holy Spirit, teach me. You know, we can't understand this book we can't understand the Bible unless the Holy Spirit reveals it to us. So if we're totally insensitive, no matter how well or poorly I preach, the desperation of your heart is what actually feeds you the word. As long as I'm preaching the word. Now, if I'm just preaching the headlines and talking out of my head, you'll get nothing. But as long as I'm preaching the word, if you come in hungry, you'll receive. You'll be fed making room, accommodation to house the Holy Spirit, to make room for the Holy Spirit and to make room for others. Why do we need to make accommodation? Because we're all different, right? And thank God, God likes variety, right? We have to accommodate each other's differences to provide room for somebody else to grow. Being sensitive to other people giving them space to grow. 2 Timothy 2.22. Matter of fact, this is one I think you should put on your refrigerator and memorize this week. Can we just read it out loud together? It's right here on the screen. It's really super easy, and I think most of you can memorize it within a day. Here it is. Ready? 
Now, all of us together, <clears throat> clear your voice. Here we go. We're going to read it all together. You ready? Be faithful, loving, and easy to get along with. Well, pastor, I'm easy to get along with. I'm not asking you about you. I need to ask your spouse about you. Are you easy to get along with? I need to ask your kids, are you easy to get along with? Right? What would your wife or your husband or your children or your employees or your employers say about you? Are you easy to get along with? Romans 12, 18 says, do your part to live at peace with everyone as much as possible. I like that he threw that in because some people are unpleasable. I get that. You can do your best, bend over backwards, try to serve people, love people. I mean, sometimes it just doesn't, doesn't work out. But you're trying to be sensitive and loving and caring and supportive. As long as it, as far as it be with you, be at peace. And the apostle Paul is teaching us to make room throughout the scriptures, Romans 12. He's teaching us to make room for people's faults. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we're supposed to do our part to accommodate each other. What I really feel like God's prompting is we're going to go into a time of worship. And uh, in a moment, I'm going to invite the elders to make your way toward our prayer stations. And I'm going to invite you to open up your heart that as we stand, and uh, again, intentionally, we place your elders uh, near the back for two reasons. One, so that you can hear them well, because it's hard to hear people praying when you're near the speakers and up close to the stage. That's one thing. But the second is, do you know how many times I've called for an altar call? And people, they, they raise their hands. And there'll be like 10 people that say yes to Jesus. They'll raise their hand. I'm, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. And then I'll say, stand and come forward and, and kneel at these altars. And like two or three come. And you know what I always think about? The seven. I thank God for the three. But my heart always, always, always grieves for the seven. And the thing that I always get concerned about, because I've heard this when people come back and they've said, Pastor, I'm not sure if I'm saved or not because I raised my hand and I I prayed the prayer, but I did not come forward. And so I'm not really sure that I'm saved. And I'm like, can I just let you know, I've read the entire Bible cover to cover. I've read the New Testament more times than I can count. And I've never, ever seen it ever in my entire life where they they said, you must come forward. They didn't even have steps (laughs) at their house where most of them were getting saved house down. I'm not saying it's wrong. Listen, I love this altar. Can I just tell you, we experienced a grand move of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so if you ever feel the need to come forward and pray during the middle of our worship time, you do it. I'm telling you, man, I, I, there have been times I've been sitting right there and all I need, I just take two steps and I'm there, man. I love these altars. And the altars are open for you always. But what I want more than anything else is not to accommodate people's liking, but desperately I want to see people get to heaven. That's first and foremost, to know that they know that they know that they're saved. And secondly, that when people are being prayed for, that they can hear what God's trying to say. Those two things as a pastor, I'm desperate for. So I want you to know God's presence is in this house. I just know all you need to do is make room for him. The power of God is here to heal. The power of God is here to restore. 
The power of God is here to do miracles. The, po- the, the same power that raised Christ from the dead is here to dwell in you. And I can just tell you, there are miracles waiting. And yes, there are supernatural healing miracles that are waiting, and I believe that some of those are going to take place even today. But how many know there's relational miracles that are just as significant? Look, if God grows an arm or grows a leg or uh, takes away cancer, that's a huge miracle we need to celebrate. But how much more so if someone gives their life to Jesus Christ and they're transformed generationally and eternally? That's a miracle. And miracles happen every week here. What about the restoration of a relationship? Marriages that are in turmoil and they've been in counseling for years and it seems like they're at the the break, uh, you know, the brink of divorce and all of a sudden God's Holy Spirit comes in and, and puts together what the enemies tried to tear apart. Friends, that's a miracle. God wants to do miracles in this house. The question is, are you saying, Holy Spirit, you're welcome? You're welcome to do whatever you want in me. That's what I want more than anything else. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord Jesus, in this room, I know that there are some that just need to give over their heart to you. They need to say yes to you. Maybe for some of them, it's for the very first time. What a joy and honor it would be to partner with them in that decision. But for some, it may be a rededication. Maybe they're, they've been in uh, a church for years It's been maybe 40 or 50 years since they've ever raised their hand to rededicate themselves to your cause and your purpose and your mission. But Lord, all of us need this message. All of us have been insensitive at one point or another. All of us have been selfish and self-centered at one point or another. We all need to grow in this. And we can only do that by your Holy Spirit. So right now in this room, if you say, Mark, I need Jesus to come into my life. I need to make him Lord and Savior. Maybe it's a rededication prayer where you say, Mark, there's sin that's separating me from God. I need to be once again transformed and renewed. Or others of you that say, Mark, honestly, this is the first time I'm hearing that there's a true, a true heaven that I could call home after I die. And I need God to come in and redeem me, make me brand new. If that's you in any of those categories, listen, here's what I want you to do while heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I'm going to have you slip up your hand, acknowledging by the uplifted hand, Mark, that's me. Include me in this prayer. Listen, I'm not here to embarrass you. It's not my heart to judge you. I just want to invite you into this prayer right now. If that's you, slip up your hand right now all over this place. Yeah, that's me, Mark. Pray for me. Yes, God bless you. Anybody else? Yes. God bless you in the balcony, on the main floor. Anybody else? Yeah. God bless you. Ma'am, sir. God's tugging on your heart today. Don't let a moment like this pass you by. To have your sins fully forgiven, we need it. Anybody else? That's you today. Yeah, God bless you. Just slip up your hand and put it right back down. God bless you. For others of us, this is a prayer of sensitivity. We need to be sensitive to what God's trying to say. And for many of us, me included, there have been times where I've been insensitive to what God's trying to do. I've been in too busy, too much in a hurry, too much in my own world, too self-centered. But today, God's calling this church back to a New Testament Holy Spirit sensitivity. 
And if that's you in this room, I want you to slip up your hand right now all over this place. Yeah, God bless you. From the old to the young, from the oldest saint of God to the youngest in this room, yes, God bless you. We need Holy Spirit sensitivity. We need Holy Spirit sensitivity. God bless you. God bless you. You can put your hands down. I'd like to lead us in a prayer. Those that are watching online, you can pray this prayer alongside of us, but I would like you to simply pray it like you mean it. That's the heartbeat, that you pray it like you mean it. Can you pray this prayer out loud after me? Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I repent for all I've done wrong. I believe that you died and rose again for me. I make you Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for changing me. I choose to trust you with every area of my life. Now fill me with your Holy Spirit sensitivity. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand up with us? We're going to worship the Lord together. I'm going to invite our elders to go to the three stations of prayer by the exit sign there, the exit sign in the back, and over here in the balcony. You can receive prayer even in the balcony right over here. But I invite your elders to function biblically like they did in the New Testament church, where they pray for those of you that are in need, believing God for miracles. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to say, Holy Spirit, you're welcome. Come on, in your own way, your own words, just say, Holy Spirit, you're welcome to do what you want in my life. In these next few songs, do what you want in me. And if you feel compelled, you can come to these altars and worship at the altars. You can kneel at the altar and pray, or you can kneel at your seat, or you can just worship the living God. But however you respond, I encourage you, all of you, respond to God, whether it's lifting your hands or singing out to God or kneeling, whatever it might be. Let there be a response to Holy Spirit as we worship the King together.
when I feel the fear come, I won't run away, even in valleys. Your presence is enough when I feel the shaking. I will stand my ground. Your presence is enough. You are with me. Father, you're for me. So fear will never conquer me. I belong to Jesus. I'm never alone. I'm never conquer me cause I belong to Jesus when I feel the pressure I won't run away even in tension your presence is enough when I'm in the mystery still I will stand
somebody that was, had a real sweaty palm and that distracted me from the prayer. But I do want you to span the aisle ways where you're close enough to everybody else, where everybody, you're close enough where you can kind of have somebody on both sides of you. So go ahead, if you would, just kind of span out into the aisle ways from this side all the way over, just so we're unified, we're, cl we're close enough where we feel unified with one another. Because we need this, we need unity. Where there's unity, God commands a blessing. You don't have to be like shoulder to shoulder, like real tight up against them, but just close enough where, and what I want you to do is I want you to pray. You, well, first of all, ask if you don't know the person on your left and on your right, just ask what their name is real quick. Go ahead and do that. Just ask their first name. All right. And then what I want us to do is we're just going to say a silent prayer for them. All right. We're just going to say a silent prayer for them because Listen, whether you know them or not, they're going through something, I promise you. They need your prayers. We need each other in support. So I want you to go ahead right now and just silently begin to pray for the person on your right-hand side right now. Just go ahead and pray for the person on your right. Lord, we thank you. We pray blessing in Jesus' name. God, I thank you that they are going to walk as free and as, and as God, Lord, protected. God, you're going to keep them. You're going to keep them strong in you. Lord, I pray miracles would happen in their life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. God, for that one on our right, we bless them right now in Jesus' name. Now begin to pray for the person on your left-hand side. Just as I said, if you want to pray silently, you can do that. But Lord, we just pray for that person on our left-hand side. Lord, we speak blessing over them, prosperity, encouragement. Let them be filled with your Holy Spirit. Let them have the comfort of your spirit. Let them have divine direction and connection to you. Lord, in their relationships, in their marriages, in their business dealings, in each place that they step, Lord, let their foot where they go would be prosperous and successful. What they put their hands to would be prosperous and successful. And now I, I want to speak a blessing over each and every one of you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you and bring you peace. And may the Lord our God write his name on your heart and declare you're my child. No one can take you from my hand. May you know the love of your Savior that came and died for you and rescued you. And may you experience that love in a way that's so supernatural that it makes you sensitive to the people that are around you. I bless you to be a blessing to your coworker, to your neighbor, to your family to your friends, to your spouse, to your kids and grandkids. I bless you to be a blessing to this city, this region, this world. I bless you to be a blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hey, I love you. God bless you. We look forward to seeing you on Father's Day next Sunday or this next Wednesday to continue on with the series, God of the Valleys. We love you. God bless you. You're dismissed. Have a Jesus-filled week.